you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in John chapter 12 today. We're going to finish John 12, I hope. But uh, it's been amazing, John's presentation of Jesus. And what we're talking today really is about the wonder of a promise. Something that changed dramatically for you and me. I'm calling it the hour of change. But people kind of think differently about about time and about things. And some people think that everything kind of just remains the same or plodding along towards something. And, and other people think that there's actually moments that are super important for you and for me. I'm of this latter camp. I think 2,000 years ago or so, there was a moment that defines everything for you. Our difficulty most of the time is hearing it, even hearing the instructions of the Bible and what we're supposed to be like and do. And instead of it being joyful and fun, and here we get to do some things because of the moment, instead we kind of think somewhat confusedly. Let me give you a couple of fun little examples just for, like we take instructions and we just don't hear them right, right? So here's one. The instruction was write one word over and over. So someone wrote one word over and over. Um, that's two words. It's all over, right? They're just they're, the instructions there, right? One word, but you know, if you don't get it right, or how about this one? Someone said, "I'd like I'd like a picture to put on my cake. Would you take the picture of the the, the USB drive?" Uh, they didn't hear on the USB drive; they heard of the USB drive, and so they put made a cake with a picture of the USB drive. They just didn't quite get it, right? Okay, or here's one. Don't get offended at this one. I've got a dog. So the sign says, you know, if your dog poops, pick it up, please. It is good English to think that the antecedent of it is the dog. So the guy's picking up his dog. If it poops, pick it up. There it is. He's picked up his dog. (laughs) Okay, last one. Sometimes you don't even realize the things you're doing, right? Here's the sign. And the sign says, please uh, give cyclists space. Well, the only thing blocking the cyclists are the the sign that's giving the cyclist space. I mean, come on. So you see, we, we, we have good intentions, or we think about stuff, but we just don't quite get it right. We don't understand. For us today, I long for us to hear what Jesus thought about the most important moment of all of history, and how that might influence your thinking. So I'm, we're listening to Jesus. It's before he went to the cross. It's before he shed his blood for us. He points to it and says, put all your hope on this moment. He says hour, so I'm using hour, but it's a moment, right? In the scope of the thousands of years of human existence, there's a moment, an hour, a time. It's hard because it was so long ago and I'm alive now, and so I have life and I want to maximize my life. I, I have time to give for God's glory, and so I want to escape judgment Those sound like phrases you've heard before. I believe too often that we therefore want the hour to improve us. Something that can't be improved. Instead of relying on the cross, instead of letting that flow over us and rejoicing. So I'm inviting you to that today. I want to take a look at this hour together. It's it's first an hour of death, which is surprising. The hour of death. 
So we're in John chapter 12, and turn with me if you can to verse 20. We read this piece last week, but I want to pick it up there because this is kind of where it starts to theme into this reality that Jesus is talking about. John chapter 12, verse 20. And, and, I, I, and it's going to talk about his hour has come. And you got to see in all John's gospel, so, hey, hey, this is the Bible, right? I love the Bible. I want to know the Bible. The Bible, in John, in this presentation of Jesus, he's constantly saying, there's a buildup. He's saying, my hour hasn't come yet. My hour hasn't come yet. All these signs and all these miracles, his hour hasn't come yet. They're pointing to the hour, right? Let me give you the examples. Here they are. This is John 2. Jesus says to her, this is him talking to his mom, right? Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour hasn't yet come. Well, when will it come, Jesus? Or in John chapter 7. It says, so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour hadn't yet come. John chapter 8. Same thing. These words he spoke in the treasury and he taught the devil, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So there's this buildup, right? And those are just three examples. There's more. There's, there's Jesus to the woman at the well. There's the hour is coming when you'll worship God in spirit and truth. There's this coming hour. This moment. Okay, come back with me then to chapter 12, verse 20. This is about the Greeks coming. We talked a little bit about this last week. But pick it up with me. Now, among those who went to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who'd been in Bethsaida in Galilee, asked him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. We talked a bit about this last time. Jesus answered them. Here it is. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Whoa. Okay, 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 okay. I don't like people, so I'll stop. But, 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 hey, the hour's come, and now I'm ready. Jesus, hey, he's, he's turning water into wine. The hour hasn't come. He's, he's, he's curing the man paralyzed for 38 years. The hour hasn't come. He's raising Lazarus from the dead. The hour hasn't come. Something big is coming. I mean, the big reveal, I, I, the transfiguration, is Jesus going to now suddenly start beaming through with light? He's going to be revealed for what he is. This is glory. 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 And so it's super important that you see Jesus is speaking of his death. It really doesn't compute, right? Jesus is talking about his death. Everybody in here is going to die. Why is that his glory? Maybe he means his resurrection. You know, Jesus is going to be resurrected from the dead. That's pretty glorious. Man, that's cool if Jesus does that. Of course, Lazarus did it. No, he means his death. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world keeps it for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. See, the whole thing is is is, is this predicated. The glory is coming as Jesus says, I will die. 
Yeah, it's the means for me not to be alone. Yeah, it means I get to resurrect you so that you're with me, my precious servants who I love. And then the Father's going to honor you. All that's great. But Jesus' glory is his death. I am so glad to call myself a servant of Jesus. He's the king and I'm a peon. So these are words of promise, right? Words of hope for you and me that those who follow him into death and and resurrection, those will be with him where he is, he says, right? And those who are, are his will be honored by the Father, not for their service, just being with Jesus. He doesn't think like us, though. Look at this from Luke 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Just awake. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them, the servants, recline at table and he will come and serve them. That's not what a king does. Right? That's not glorious. He come and serve them? He doesn't think like us. It's so important. Because you start to say, okay, there's, a, there's an hour, there's a moment that changes everything. And, and, and one of the ways that it changes is that it reveals to you and me what the glory of God is. Do you know what the glory of God is? Yes, the death of Jesus. And, and, and he's acting in ways and doing things that are totally different than I would ever think the glory road would be about. Jesus' hour is the hour of his death, and that's the hour of his glory. And I want to explore that for a moment, because of all the cathedrals built, and and all the people believing, and all the great sacrifices of missionaries, and and, and not his glory. His glory is at this moment. The hour of glory, too. The hour of glory. So, see what he says about it. Here it is, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. Yeah, it's troubled. Why? Because he's talking about his death. He's not talking about hopping on a horse with a massive sword and, and, and leading victorious armies. The hour of his glory is his death. Suffering and death are ahead of him. But that's why he came, this upside down glory. So my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This upside down glory, right? This is what it is. Father, glorify your name. And Jesus saying that, he says, this is the glory that I die. And he's God. Then a voice comes from heaven. Uh, Voices don't come from heaven that often. It's a big moment. A voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Oh, the crowd that stood there, they heard it, said it had thundered, and someone said an angel has spoken to him, and, and Jesus said, this voice came for your sake, not mine. So important. This thing is coming, the cross is coming. It's the moment of death. It's the moment of glory. Glory. 
God the Father speaks from heaven. And it's about glory. And he says, I have glorified my name. I will glorify it again in what's about to happen. And it's thunderous and loud. And, and people hear it and like, whoa. Why do they need it? Why do we? Uh, because we have radically other ideas about glory. God does what he wants to glorify himself. We call it failure. When God does glorious things, we call it failure. I mean, if you didn't know all the rest of the story of Jesus, and you just saw this guy come, and he came, and, and he gets arrested, and the, there's political machinations around him, and they win. we got to kill this guy. He's too radical. And so they go to the government, and the government does it, and he gets crucified. That's not glory. That's a loss. It is. But, but it... Suffering, loss, rejection, spitting. They spit on him, right? God calls it his glory. This is a huge thing because we are prone to call glorifying God all the respectable, upstanding, beautiful things that we do. Making the church pretty. Giving money. Cleaning up. All these things can be a great way to respond to God. Stick around next. We'll start in chapter 13. Jesus, hey, I love one another. How that plays out. It's going to be beautiful. It's pretty. It's great. But it's not God's glory. This moment is that Jesus is speaking of now. The hour when Jesus dies for us. It's huge. And, and, and it's not just us being bought because it does say that we're his gift. We are his glory. There's more here. It's about what happened in that moment. What happened? Well, we're getting there. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. <laughs> See, everything, everything is about Death on a cross. What? No, it's not that. He said lift it up. He means the resurrection. Oh, no, I left up the last line. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Lift it up means on the cross. Doesn't mean up from the grave. He went up from the grave. Don't you dare think he didn't get resurrected from the dead. It's amazing and wonderful and important. Fantastic. But this glory piece is about Jesus conquering, judging the ruler of the world's getting cast out. By how? By the death of Jesus. No, 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 no. By my service of Jesus and the great things I'm going to... No, 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 no. The death of Jesus. It's not a mistake. John Owen wrote a book called The Death of Sin. In what? In the death of Jesus. This is so central... The world judged, the ruler cast out, not by you, nothing to do with you. All, all me, says Jesus. And when I'm lifted up, I know it sounds like resurrection, but it means death. What draws all people to him is his death. That's what he says, right? 
the kind of death he was going to die, public ridicule, absolute rejection, suffering of God for us. This is his glory. It seems like evil, but it isn't. The world is judged not just for the killing of Jesus, but for the rejection of what God says is his glory. We say, no thanks. I would much rather aim to climb the top of the mountain than to end in the valley. God's works seem wrong and our works seem right. And in reality, they aren't because God, God came to earth. There's nothing to do with your abilities or your thinking. Or, this is talking about the God who made every single thing you can ever look at, who holds together the stars. He became a human being, and then his glory was to do that and die. It's just so foreign to me, really. I try and make it not foreign, but I say, Jesus is like me, and I'm his friend. I am, though that's not a wrong statement, because of he loves me. But this is his glory. It don't look like my ideas. The crowd doesn't get it. I mean, their response is really interesting. Here it is. So the crowd, it says, answered him, We've heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be filled up? Who is this Son of Man? Okay, now Jesus says, I, I, I. So they're already getting the connection that he's the Son of Man. Jesus has referred to himself this way before. But they're saying, right, you're talking about God and his glory, but we have the revelation of God. It's called the law. We've got the scriptures. And we search the scriptures, and it says that the Christ remains forever. There's a coming messianic king, the Davidic king that will reign forever. You're saying he's here. You're him. The law says... How can you say you're going to die? See, we don't understand the law, right? Now it's when I could go back and I could put those pictures up again. <laughs> right? One word in the book over and over. Okay, it says one word. One word. I don't understand. Then it means pick another word and put the word well, a bunch of times. The, the language fails you. Because we come to the text with our own suppositions of what glory is, of what of, of what it is that God's going to do, of, of how he's working and what it means. And we don't understand. The law that is beautiful and reflecting of God, actually what it does is condemn us and drives us to the cross, which is God's glory. But, but we think instead that it's God's way to avoid the cross, don't, don't we? Think about that before you say no. You think, oh man, I'm doing the law so that I'm, 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 I'm actually pleased. God is pleased with me and, and, and the doing of the law is me avoiding condemnation and avoiding bad things and doing good things and, and God will be happy. And instead, the cross, which is the glory of God, is where He paid for all your failure. And I'm doing everything I can to avoid the failure. So what? I don't need Jesus. Uh, we don't functionally say that, but I'm telling you that's, that's your flesh. Okay. Now, to get it, can I avoid the cross like I don't need the blood of Jesus? The law doesn't say that God's son will die, that the Messiah will die. But Jesus, who knows, he says, y'all are in the, the dark, except for me. Trust me. 
walk in what I'm saying, you're barely even to see that it's light. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah, read it with me. Here it is. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. That's you without Jesus, right? While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. You can't even really see what the light is showing, Jesus says. Your ideas of glory and law and right and wrong are so messed up. So believe in the light. That's Jesus. He's the light. And he's here. God's talking to them in Christ. And and, and so I, I think about this, don't you? I've thought about this a lot. If you really start to just put the main pieces in that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, then and, and the only one that ever matters. He's the only one. He's he's the King of Heaven, and then he comes to Earth. And the, I, I, all of Earth is held together by Jesus, and there he is walking on Earth. Every single person he meets should do what? Fall at his feet. O oh, Creator God, O oh, One who's, who's made us and every breath I take is, is at Your whim. Every person who ever sees Jesus should just fall at His feet and like, oh! The condensation of God, I don't mean condensation like rain. I mean like His patience and His forbearance and His humility and His willingness to like overlook that everybody around you don't i mean even our human institutions right you can never go into the king's palace and just kind of walk around hey dude how's it hanging what in the world they'll they'll either put you in the dungeon or kill you jesus is like a hundred million times more holy and royal and special and amazing than any human king that ever existed and his glory is to do what he's doing. It's just so different, and it just it's God is walking around in the dirt with sinners, and especially with people who think they know, and and they're so wrong. And so what he says here about light is, "I'm the light. While I'm with you, don't believe in me, you guys." Yeah, that that's us, right? This special moment. It's not every moment. There's a special moment. The hour of his death, the hour of his glory. It's just not what we think it is, and we can't even really grasp that this is the glory. We want the fruit to be the glory. The resurrection to be the glory. Our service to be the glory. None of it is. It's his death on a cross. So death and glory, and then there's judgment too. I want you to look at this with me. Here's, here's judgment. It's the hour of judgment. This is what Jesus is talking about. So when Jesus had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and who, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
See, he opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the paralyzed, cured the leper, fed the thousands, raised the dead. And none of them were done to display himself in his glory. They were signs pointing forward to his glory. Death on a cross. The hour, this hour, (laughs) it's the glory of God, the death of his son. What's the most important moment of your life? Jesus' death on a cross. That's when judgment happened. That's when the world's ruler was kicked out. That's when you received salvation. I I can't believe that. You know, it's got to be my response, my actions, my glorifying God, and know the message is to believe in the light. Your ideas are wrong and God's are right, and you receive his action for you. He repents you. It opens your eyes. Man, not who I should be, but Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. This is actually the message of the Old Testament he's saying here. John is. John, this is an editorial thing, right? That he's presenting Jesus, and then John takes a break, and he puts in, well, this is actually the fulfillment of Isaiah. It was believed. Nobody. No, not one. Even the disciples who don't get it, who run. Isaiah, this is kind of important, actually. I don't know how much you know about this amazing prophet and how much you've read Isaiah. We we haven't taken our Sunday mornings yet and done Isaiah. I hope to someday. It's amazing. But look what he says. He continues on with Isaiah. So he says, Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. says, Isaiah said these things because he, get this, saw his glory and spoke of him. Well, that's really interesting in our framework where I've been trying to show you that Jesus himself is referring to his glory as his death, as not as this thing we would take of his glory, which is adulation by other people and laying down of stuff for him by other people or our good deeds, whatever you want to call it. That Jesus is saying, no, my glory is the death. How did Isaiah see his death? Come on. We read it this morning. We read it every Easter. Why do we read Isaiah every Easter? Because he writes, right? Who has believed his report? He was despised and rejected by men. By his stripes we are healed. His glory, his son, the one who comes to die. You're not good to look at. You don't have glory like we think glory is. You don't have some glorious shining face. You're not comely. But we whipped his back. And we put him on a cross. And he died. And that's glory to God. For his son. Isaiah knew it. He saw it. But God blinded their eyes because Jesus had a plan for his glory and involved their rejection. Everyone's rejected. Everybody's condemned. Nobody thought this was the, 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 the thing to accept is Jesus Christ. Everybody's not knowing, but they should. Isaiah saw it. By his stripes, we are healed. His stripes. I think, you know, 
it's not so no one can believe, but I think we struggle and, and we don't really get the depth of what's going on in, in this and we won't stand up for it. And, and even here, uh, we'll finish. Nevertheless, many of the authorities did believe in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they didn't confess it. So they wouldn't be put out of the synagogue. For they loved, here, the glory that came from men more than the glory that comes from God. Glory comes from God, the simple statement of Jesus. He says he's for you. His death is enough. There's nothing else. It's done. The glory of man is the approval and groupthink that defines glory in terms of our ideas and our accomplishments. Man's fame, man's acceptance. That's not God. You don't expect some great, huge organization of greater expanding glory that's something called the church. No way. Little and almost dead. But pointing to this Jesus who died. Because that's the glory. The good news of Jesus on the cross for you. It seems like nothing. It seems like God speaks in many ways and all these ways go to him. But actually the only glory is in this moment. This hour. The hour that Jesus died for you. And receiving this isn't going to get you man's glory. It's not going to get you accolades and fame and fortune. That's what they're saying there, right? But to receive what Jesus said is so critical. It, it, it doesn't just get you Jesus. It gets you to the Father. Jesus cried out and says, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus, you see Jesus, you see the Father, right? He's nothing to look at, only what he says he's done. Ah, He keeps going. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I don't judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken to him will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me himself a commandment, what to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So what Jesus did was come to save. Do you see that? Not to judge, he says, but to say. That's the reality. Whether or not we receive it, that's the question. But the reality of that will echo through the earth. Jesus came to save. And that one moment is the moment that matters when God was glorified. And it looked like pain and suffering and death. It looked like evil. It looked like upside down stuff to those who think we can judge what is right and wrong and glorious. And all of our wrong thinking doesn't matter. It only matters if we can hear what Jesus said, that he's the light, that he speaks from the Father. And judgment comes, but it's not what you think, right? It's not an evaluation of everything you've done since becoming a Christian. This is really important. This is we're landing here. We're going to end here in just a minute. It's not scales to weigh you. It is not an accounting book. God gave up on that business forever. It's a book of life. And your life forever is based on, are you in it? Have you received this gift? Or will you go down, guns blazing against God, because you won't accept that his ways don't seem right to you? His glory is not yours. His salvation is from him alone. It's amazing, you know. 
And let me finish this way, this amazing presentation when Jesus actually begins to speak of his hour. And it's the hour of death. And it's the hour of glory. And it, it does become the hour of judgment. It's all that matters, how you see this one thing. Anyway, big celebrity pastor a couple of weeks ago, or I don't know, might have been months ago. I just, I just saw it a couple of weeks ago. He said basically this. He said, two days ought to control everything in our life. The first day is the day Jesus Christ hung up on a cross as a vicarious sacrifice for your sin. Amen and hallelujah. The second day is when you will stand before God and be judged. I hear that, and I start to fear. I fear for how good a servant I've been, how much glory I'm giving to God, how well I believe. And that leads us directly against what Jesus Christ has said today. No way. Kick it out. Don't keep it in. Because it's a true statement, like that pictures we're saying, it's right one word, but it's interpreted wrongly. Right, here's the truth. The moment that changes our life is the moment of the cross, what Jesus did in this incredible moment of promise. He steps in even before he does it, and he says, I'm dying for you. This is what bears fruit. He says, I'm being glorified in ways you can't even see. He says, I'm perfectly in the Father. If you see me, you see him. And so that first moment when Jesus died for the world is the answer to the second Sure, if you want two days to find you, the first day when Jesus paid it all for you and you believe it, and the second day when you stand at the judgment and God looks at you and you say, the first day. Can you see the first moment? Because that's where my hope is. That the blood of Jesus that died for me is the answer to any call of judgment ever. I trust you, Jesus. And I stand here, my only hope, that you died for me. Not, not, oh yeah, you died for me, and thus I gave you more glory. The whole issue is you can't. And you got to receive. When Jesus Christ, who is God, glorified himself and glorified the Father by doing what you could never, ever, ever do. Forgive your sins forever. Oh, the hour. It changes our lives. It's already happened. Receive it, will you? Let's pray.